Uh, welcome to Restoration Church. I hope I'm not the first person to greet you. Uh, but let me just say we're, we're blessed and honored to have you with us today. Excited to uh, be in this Christmas season and uh, specifically this uh, celebration today. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, you know, this is probably one of my favorite services throughout the year. I love seeing these kids up here and you love seeing them sing and, and we work with these kids. We practice with them and then they get up front and they see all of your smiling faces and all of a sudden, the voice comes a little bit lower, and there's that little bit of nervousness that hits in, and, and I love it. It's wonderful. And uh, I love seeing these kids come up because um, even though they're nervous, and even though uh, there's all these people watching them, uh, they're still smiling. There's still, still joy on their face. There's still an excitement about Christmas. There's still, there's still something that they experience in, in, in hope. They have this, this, this idea of hope. And uh, one of the things, uh, I have had the chance to work with kids for um, a good portion of my adult life. And a number of years ago, I was at Madison House, and we were reading the Christmas story with kids. And kind of one of the things that I wanted the kids to do is I said, as I read the Christmas story, I want you guys to act it out. And so I told, I told a little boy, you know, you're Joseph, and, and the girl, you're Mary. And I told this kid over here, I said, you, you're, uh, you're the, it's not the zebra, you're the camel, you're the camel. I got my animals mixed up. I said, you're the camel. That's a perfect job for you. So I got my Bible out, and I'm reading the Christmas story out of Luke chapter 2. And I'm like, you guys acted out. And we came to the point where there was no room at the inn. And all of a sudden, the camel pulls out a cell phone. And I'm like, what, 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 are, you, what are you doing on your cell phone? And he said, well, I'm calling Holiday Inn. There's always room at Holiday Inn. My brother works there. He can get him a room. And I'm like, oh, no. Kids at Christmas, though, it's such a special time, and, I, and I, love, I love seeing the kids interacting, and it's a reminder, if you're an adult, I love seeing these kids because it's a, it's a reminder to us about the feelings that we want during Christmas time. It's a reminder to us about, about joy and, and hope, reminder us about having this excitement throughout the Christmas season. And this is why I think Christmas is special. And whether you're a child or whether you're an adult, I think Christmas is a season where we want to experience hope. We want to experience something bigger than ourselves. We want to experience the fact that, that, that there is, is something to dream about. Like we can be involved in something bigger. We, we, we hope that the gifts under the tree, and we make those lists of all those things we want. We hope that those gifts under the tree will make our life just a little bit better. Make things a little bit smoother. Make us feel better. We need Christmas, if we're going to be honest. In fact, when you look at the timing of Christmas, Christmas comes at just the right time. Because I don't know if you've been outside this past couple of days, but there are single-digit temperatures out there. And I don't know, maybe you're one of those fruitcakes who enjoys really, really cold weather. I'm not, okay? And so Christmas is great because it's a distraction from the weather around us. It's a distraction from the things and the cares of the world. In fact, Christmas coming at the end of the year, we could think back to the last year. Think back to all the things that we've seen in the headlines in 2016. Uh, if you read, the, if you're a reader of the newspaper, you know, April 16th this past year, there was the earthquake in Ecuador and 673 people died. In, in May, on May 1st, the newspaper headline was the Fort McMurray fire up in Canada evacuated over 88,000 people from their homes. Because of that forest fire. June 12th, the headline read that there was a gunman who opened fire in a Florida nightclub. 
the largest mass, mass shooting in our, in, our, in our country's history. 79 people were killed that day. October 4th, uh, we watched as Hurricane Matthew uh, came upon Haiti. And the reports were that over 1,000 people died in Haiti because of Hurricane Matthew. Christmas comes at just the right time when we need a little bit of hope. We need a little bit of excitement. And even if you don't begin to look at what's happening in our world and in our country, you can begin to hone things in a little bit closer, a little bit closer to home and our lives. I'm thinking about my own family this past year. My mom has, has wrestled with cancer for this past year. We started the year out with her spending uh, six weeks at Virginia Mason Hospital over in Seattle as she fought with cancer and is still in this battle trying to overcome this disease. There are people around us who are, are dealing with financial concerns, dealing with bankruptcy looming on their horizon. There are people who are dealing with the death of someone very close to them, the death of someone they loved, whether it be a friend or a family member, and they're no longer with them. And this is what they're thinking about as they head into the end of the year. There are people who have lost their jobs, trying to find meaningful employment so they can provide for themselves and their family. There are people who are raising their kids alone. There's no significant other. There's no spouse to help them raise these kids. And so you've got these single parents trying to be mom and dad to kids. And what a, what, what a hard situation for them to be in. You've got people who have, have moved to a new town. Yakima's new to them. are trying to figure out, where do I belong? Where do I fit in? You've got, you've got kids who have moved to new schools. And with that, trying to figure out, where's my friends? Like, how do I, how do I connect here? There are broken relationships around us. There are chronic sicknesses that people are dealing with. And then there's also this idea that sometimes we struggle with the results of the choices we've made. We've made some mistakes. And we feel the weight of those mistakes haunting us, knowing that that's still there. And listen, for those of you that you're saying, man, I don't have any of those hardships in my life. Like, I, like I've had a, a good year and I don't have any of these hardships. But you know what I found is if we're going to be truthful, man, in a, in a world of hurts, in a world of insecurities underneath that surface, you may not have any of those hardships, but you've got those, in, you've got those fears. You've got those insecurities about life. Like, what if, what if that one thing happened? My whole house of cards comes tumbling down. That's the fear that many of us are going to live with. And this is, why, this is why Christmas is so important for us. Because Christmas gives us a taste of what we desperately long for. Christmas gives us a taste of hope. A taste of something that we can dream about. A taste of something being bigger than we are. This is a, a belief that things are going to be okay. A belief that the gifts under the tree are going to make our life more meaningful, going to make our life a little bit easier. This is where Christmas, we look and have these family get-togethers and these big parties. And what we really want is just acceptance and love and joy. And Christmas is important because it gives us a taste of those things. That's what the Christmas season does. Gives us a taste of that hope that we long for. But I want to invite you today. To consider uh, another source of hope. Christmas is a great source of hope. But I want you to, to consider uh, your hope not coming from the gifts under the Christmas tree. 
I want you to consider your hope not coming from the family celebrations that you're going to have and the family meals and the get-togethers you're going to have with your family. I want you to consider your hope coming not from a big guy in a red suit. I want you to consider the hope found in a baby in a manger. Now, maybe you know the story, Jesus in the manger. Maybe you don't. If you don't, I'd encourage you, even if you do, I'd encourage you to uh, this week to open your Bible, Luke chapter 2, and read this story about the birth of Jesus. It's, it's something that will just touch your, your soul. But in that story, we know the story goes that the angel comes to Mary and says, Mary, I have a special role for you. God is going to be born into the flesh, and God is going to choose you to, to give birth to his son, Jesus. Mary, she was a young girl. She was a virgin. She, was, uh, she had a boyfriend by the name of Joseph. And Joseph finds out, and he's like, what am I going to do? My girlfriend's pregnant. And then the angel comes to Joseph and says, hey, Joseph, it's okay. This is God's doing. And Joseph says, all right, I get this. And so him and Mary become engaged. And they begin, there was a, there was a decree issued by Caesar Augustus that all uh, that world had to go to their home country or to the original town to be, to be counted for a census. And so Mary and Joseph, we know they traveled to Bethlehem. And in Bethlehem, it becomes time for Mary to give birth. But if you remember, there was no room at the inn. Holiday Inn was booked. There was no rooms. And so they said, well, there's a stable out back. And so they got to the stable. And this is what Luke chapter 2, verse 7 says. And it says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And that's the hope that Jesus brings. And we look at this story and we think, well, well, what hope does a baby bring? Like, I've had a baby. Like, babies are fun, but babies don't sleep through the night. Like, they, uh, they've got diapers you've got to change, like, multiple times throughout the day. And, and you know, what hope does, does a baby bring? And the thing is, it's not just the baby. It's who that baby was and what that baby was going to do. Because that baby wasn't going to remain a baby. He was going to grow into a man, the Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know that, that, that Jesus came to do a couple of different things. In fact, you can look in, into Hebrews chapter 10. And it says that Jesus came to do the will of God and to become our substitute for sin. The author of Hebrews, this is what he says in, in chapter 10. He says, when Christ came into the world and said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me and burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. This is what he says. He said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Jesus came to do the will of God and become our substitute. Secondly, Jesus came to, to save his people from, his sin, from, our, from their sins. In fact, when the angel came to Mary, this is what the angel explained. This is why Jesus has come. The angel said in Matthew chapter 121, she said, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And these are glorious truths. These are awesome things to know that this is what Jesus came for. Jesus came to do these things, and he's done these things. But what I, what I found interesting this past week is I considered why Jesus came. Those two things, him being our substitute and him uh, saving his people from their sins, these are things that people said that Jesus, they, they said about Jesus. This was the author of Hebrews writing about Jesus, saying this is what Jesus came to do. This is the angel coming to Mary saying, this is what Jesus is coming to do. 
But it's fascinating because when you look in Scripture, you can actually see Jesus very clearly said, this is why I came. In Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, Jesus has just begun his, his public ministry. He's just begun um, his, his role as, as, a, as a prophet, priest, and king. And he, he goes into Nazareth, and he walks into the church. He walks into the synagogue, and he gets ready for his very first sermon. You think, man, that's got to be a good sermon if Jesus is preaching. And he takes a scroll, and he opens the scroll to Isaiah chapter 61. And that's going to be our text today. If you have a Bible, I invite you to turn to uh, the book of Isaiah chapter 61. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. We encourage you to, to follow along. Isaiah 61 is written by the prophet Isaiah, and he's writing to the the people of Israel. And this is the exact place that Jesus turns, and he begins his message. So we're going to turn to Isaiah 61, start reading in verse 1. And here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when Jesus was, was preaching out of this text, he stops right there. He stops at that moment, and he has one of those uh, mic drop moments, you know? Where he, he reads it, and he stops, and he closes, and he says, Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, that Messiah that they're talking about, the Savior who's going to come and do those things. Jesus is saying, that's me. I've come to do these things. And that's where Jesus stopped. But I want to continue reading uh, a couple more verses in Isaiah chapter 61 because I want you to get the scope of what Jesus has come to do. He, he continues in verse 2, Isaiah 61. He says, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Man, that's good. In fact, when, when, when Isaiah would have written these words and the people of Israel would have listened to them, this would have sent shockwaves into their system because they, 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 they lived in a time of, uh, uh, they were preparing for judgment. They knew that God's judgment was going to come upon them as a nation because they had disobeyed God. And they were going to be, be at this time where they're going to be taken out of their homes, taken into captivity. And when Jesus preached this message, he's speaking to Israel. And they're in a different season where they're, they're, they're living in oppression from Roman occupation. And so when they, when, they, when they read these words, man, it's not much different than you and I today. The people that were originally hearing these words, they, they knew what it's like to desire more. They knew what it was like to, to want better for their lives, to, to want to see a change in their life. They, 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 they dreamed about, about circumstances that would change their broken relationships. They dreamed about circumstances that would change their financial concern. They had all these dreams in their hearts and in their life. And so Isaiah 61 would have been a very familiar passage to them. Because it's a passage of hope. It, it spoke hope to Israel. About a coming Messiah who would deliver Israel from their oppressors. About a coming Messiah who would make things right in their world. Who would bring justice into their lives. This was a passage about a Messiah who brings hope. Which is what they wanted in that day. And what I would guess many of us want today. 
in this passage, Isaiah is pointing to what many of us long for. That's that hope. That's redemption. Redemption, that we can have a reversal of roles within our life. That our life, as hard as it is sometimes, that we can have a new story. That we can have a new beginning. That we can have a different story. That our story can change from the way it is playing out. This passage is, is talking about, about having something to believe in. About having a hope and a confidence that things can get better. Hope that there's more than what we've just experienced this past year. This isn't it. There's more to life. There's more to this world. And so Isaiah pens these words about the Messiah bringing redemption to people. And he pens these words and he says, he's come to proclaim good news to the poor. I mean, the poor in those days, they lived their lives being filled with nothing but bad news. Bad news. Rent's due. You can't afford it. You're going to have to get evicted. Find another place to move. Bad news upon bad news. And here, God provides them a redemption. Where where no longer are they burdened with bad news, but now they get to be blessed with good news. And it becomes a redemption story for them. He says that uh, the Messiah came to to bind up the brokenhearted. See, remember, you've got to remember when when Isaiah wrote these words, Israel is is facing uh, their nation being toppled. The, the, the temple, which would have been their religious identity as, as a nation, it's going to be destroyed. And you can imagine going through the hardships and just wondering, like, God, do you even care what's going on in my life? God, I've got all these hardships. I've got all these heartbreaks all around me. God, do you even care? And Isaiah says, yes, he does. He's coming to, to bind up the brokenhearted, to heal those wounds. He will be there for you. He knows what you're going through. Isaiah says that he's come to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And this probably includes a a physical captivity. But I want you I want you to think about something. See, I want you to understand something about human nature. I personally have never felt um, captive physically. But I can say I have felt captive emotionally. And spiritually and relationally. Because I think about depression and anxiety. And how that keeps you almost feeling imprisoned in life. Like you can't move forward because you've got this, this, this dark feeling over you. This anxiety that you don't know what the right decision is. So almost it's hard to even get out of bed to make any decision. That's the captivity. There's a captivity about you've got these poor choices that you've made in your past. And they keep haunting you like you're never going to get freed from those past decisions you're never going to get forgiven they're going to follow you around all of your life and you can't get the monkey off your back there's a captivity of feeling man i've I've got this dead-end job and i've got to provide for my family but it's a very unfulfilling place that i don't really want to be i've got these unfulfilling relationships these broken relationships around me and i and i and i can't escape there's no out there's a captivity in all of these ways and what isaiah said is god sent jesus to free those long held in captivity of all sorts and all kinds emotionally and spiritually and i want to just as as we talk about this idea about god sending his love and, and his messiah to to uh 
the imprisoned. I want you to think about this, those held in captive. Next Sunday is Christmas Sunday. And uh, we're going to do church as a, ch- as a church on Christmas Sunday, but we're going to do church a little bit different. Because as I think about Christmas, I think most of us are going to have a celebration with our family. We're going to have a get-together. It's going to be a good thing. But um, not far from here is the, the Sun Tower Retirement Home. It's, it's half a block away. And I think about the Sun Tower Retirement Home is there's going to be some folks in that retirement center probably feel a little bit captive. Probably going to feel a little bit captive because they have nowhere to go. It's Christmas and you and I are going to go and we're going to celebrate and enjoy and and have time with our family. And and here you've got the retirement center where you've got people who won't have family come and visit them. Won't have anywhere to celebrate Christmas. So we thought as a church, instead of us coming and doing service here on, on Christmas morning, why don't we go to the Sun Tower Retirement Center? I'm telling you how simple it's going to be. We're going to sing some Christmas carols. And any of the kids that are there are going to help us read the Christmas story. And I think this idea about, about, about proclaiming liberty to the captives and opening to the prison to those that are bound, like what greater example of that is for us to go to a place where people probably feel a little bit captive. They wish they could be free. They wish they could go out. And let's go as a church. and Let's share the love of Christ with them. Let's share that God cares about them. And let's take, let me tell you, uh, we're going to meet here next Sunday at 1030. And, and, and it's probably going to take us a half hour or 40 minutes tops. As you're planning your, your, your Christmas day, I'd invite you, bring your family. Let's just go and love our community. Let's go and, and, and share the name of Jesus. That was a little bit of a side note. So he says he, he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. And he continues and he says, those who, who have been years filled with tears and, and remorse over their life. He said, they're going to be comforted and pointed to a day of smiles, a day of laughter. He says, those, those who have ashes covering them are going to be uh, uh, blown away to make room for glittering, ground, gl- glittering crowns. The drab duds of, of mourning are going to be replaced with festivities. He says, instead of, instead of this remorse and this darkness over life, he says, this Messiah is going to come and he's going to prepare us for a party. Going to prepare us for, for a great day that we want to celebrate who God is. And he says, the people who feel like dead sticks, who have no backbone, who have no goal, he says, they're going to stand tall, sturdy as the grandest oaks that would be planted. And this is a great story. This is a story of redemption that God offers through the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And isn't that what we long for? Don't we long for like our lives to be redeemed? I mean, isn't this, isn't this the movie The Force Awakens? I don't know if you saw The Force Awakens. I haven't seen Rogue One yet. Star Wars fans, you know what I'm talking about, okay? But in The Force Awakens, isn't this where there's a little bit of hope with Princess Leia? Where she's, she's looking at her son, Kilo Ren, Ben Solo. And isn't there just a little bit of hope that, that Princess Leia has that, that somehow he can still be redeemed from the dark side? Anybody see that? I did. There's a little bit of hope there. I mean, I mean, this story of redemption, this is LeBron James, okay? He's been known to choke in important games time after time after time. And this is LeBron James leading the Cleveland Cavaliers back from a 3-1 deficit to win the NBA championship. Isn't that redemption that we want for our life? Like, isn't this why superheroes are so successful? 
Because you have a superhero who comes and saves the day and brings redemption for people. This is why this past year, there, were, there was Captain America Civil War. There was uh, Deadpool. There was Batman versus Superman. There was X-Men Apocalypse, Suicide Squad, Doctor Strange, Max Steel, Ghostbusters. Like, isn't it why we want to go and watch those movies? It's because there's redemption. There, there's hope that things get made right in the world. Isn't this why Dory finds her parents? Like, isn't that what happens? Like, this is the redemption. Well, this, is why, this is why Charlie Brown, he chooses this ugly, small, little tree. And it becomes an icon of Christmas. Because we want that hope. We want the redemption that there's going to be good out of our lives. Isn't this why, ladies, you love to watch The Notebook? Because you want love to win despite the unsurmountable odds. Like, isn't this what we want in life? We want redemption. We want hope. You want to believe that, that good wins in the end. And this is, this is the idea that we live in this uncertainty. We live in, we live in a, a world of hardships. And there's mean people all around us. And we're looking for hope. We're looking for hope, for redemption. And Isaiah is saying this is exactly what Jesus offers. He offers us redemption, a new beginning, a shift in our story. He allows us to become a new creation. That we can have hope that our little story, our little life can be a part of something bigger and greater. (coughs) You see, we said that Christmas offers us a taste of what we long for, a taste of hope. And Jesus offers an internal hope that can never be taken away from us. This is why we celebrate the baby in the manger. This is why we celebrate God's mission to bring hope to the world. Do you realize that's what the incarnation is? That's why we celebrate Christmas. It's because God chose to come down and be one of us. See, we were created for this intimate relationship between us and God. That's how we were created, to, to have this intimate relationship with God. But if you know the story, Adam and Eve, remember, they ate the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. And they brought sin into the world. And as, as, as their ancestors, as their uh, children, we then have this same sin bent in our own life. And we're bent towards rebelling against God. And because of this, There's this this separation between God and man. There's a separation between us and God because we have this sin nature to to, to please ourselves. And because we're created for for that relationship with God and now there's that separation, that's left a hole within our heart. And we try all sorts of things to to fill that hole within our heart. We try all sorts of things like, like status and, and relationships, we try our career, we try money, we try appearance, we try good works, we try religion, we try and, and, and be a good person, and we try all these things to fill that hole within our heart. If we're being honest, nothing ever really lasts. It doesn't fill that hole. And so we come into seasons like Christmas, and it's like, man, this is great. Because there's this this joy around, there's these kids that are smiling, and there's this hope that somehow Christmas is going to make my life better. Like, I'm going to get together with all the family, and it's going to be like it is on the Christmas card. You know, where everybody's smiling, and everybody's enjoying each other. But in reality, you look behind that Christmas card, 
Do you know the pain and the tears and, and the screaming that happened to get that family to smile just right, to get that perfect little Christmas card? Like, that's the reality of our life. We think this is going to be wonderful. We think these gifts under the tree, they're going to make life easier. They're going to give me purpose. They're going to solve this issue. And then guess what happens? You get the credit card statement in January. You step on the scale in January. And you go back to work. You're like, man, I thought this was supposed to make it better. This is why we long for that role reversal. This is why we long for that redemption. That we know that this isn't all it's supposed to be. There's got to be more. And there is. Because this is where baby Jesus comes in. Because of God's love for us, he made a way to bring us back into communion and relationship with God. To give us the peace that we long for. So God sent his son Jesus into the world as a baby. And the baby grew up. He lived the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And then he died on the cross in our place, taking the punishment for sin for us. And three days later, that same Jesus rose from the dead, giving God victory over Satan and sin and death and hell and allowing Jesus to become our victorious Savior. And he has that ability to fill that hole, to fill that longing within our hearts. And you know what he asks of us? He asks that we repent of our sin and place our faith in him as our Savior. Which means we turn from our sinful ways. Which means that we, we put our faith in him alone. That we understand the only thing that's going to solve that hole in our heart. It isn't our church. It isn't our work. It isn't our status. It isn't being a good person. The only thing that will solve that hole within our heart is a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Savior. And this is what Jesus represents to us at Christmas time. Jesus represents redemption, a new beginning, a new story, a new creation, a new life, a better life. We think about the redemption that Jesus offers. We think about, man, Jesus offers hope to those of us who you're saying, my, my, my marriage is not all it's cracked up to be. Like marriage is hard and it's not what I thought it would be. And guess what? Jesus offers you hope in the midst of that. You say, uh, Jesus offers hope to the, to the child, whether you are young or you are old. Who you, you're in that season where you're just like, I can never satisfy my parents. I can never do enough to please them. Listen, God offers you hope through Jesus Christ in the midst of that. Those who, whose, whose bank accounts are full, but whose hearts are empty. Listen, Jesus offers you hope to fill that longing of your heart. And for those of you whose hearts are full, but your bank account is empty, Jesus offers you hope. For those of you who are lonely, looking for love, looking for acceptance, looking for belonging, Jesus offers you that hope. Jesus offers the hope to those minorities who often feel that they are inferior to the world around them. This is the hope of the world found in Jesus Christ. To bring redemption to our lives, to bring meaning, to bring purpose, to, to bring wholeness, to bring peace. What is it in your life that needs redemption? What is it in your life that needs redemption? This Christmas season, it's supposed to be about us wanting more. 
and wanting something big. And my, uh, man, if I could just plead with you. Man, don't look, don't look for the answer under the tree. Look for the answer in Jesus Christ. Because he will fall, he will fill those deepest longings. He will give you that, that hope, that eternal hope and confidence that you're longing for. Well, let me just close with a story that I read some time ago. There was a man who was walking in town, uh, walking in the downtown area, the small town. And he sees this little boy walking up, and the little boy has a birdcage with these kind of ugly little birds in it. The man says, hey, hey man, what, uh, you know, what you got there? What do you got there? And the boy says, well, I've, I've, got these, I've got these birds that I caught. And the man says, well, what are you going to do with the birds? And he says, the little boy says, well, I'm going to, you know, probably play with them. And, and when I get bored of them, I'm just going to feed them to the cat. You know, that's what cats do. Another reason why you should like dogs over cats. Side note. <laughs> and the man says, oh, you're going to do that with those birds. Man, hey, 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 would you mind, uh, could I buy those birds off of you? The boy kind of looks at him kind of funny. He's like, really? Like these birds? Like, these are the birds that weren't very good. Like, the other birds, they were faster, and they were sharper, and they flew away. And these birds, they were the weak ones who couldn't get away. These birds, they don't really sing very well. They're kind of smelly. They're not really good for much. I don't know if you'd really want to buy these, these birds. The man says, well, here, I've got 20 bucks. I'll give you 20 bucks for the bird cage and the birds. The boy's kind of looking at him like, dude, this is a steal. Absolutely. Trades, trades the birdcage, takes the 20 bucks, goes skipping off like life's perfect. He's all happy and he's going to Walmart to buy some candy or whatever he's going to do. The man takes the cage out to a field outside of town. He opens up the hinge and he lets the birds free. He lets the birds go and they soar and, and fly high into the blue sky. Next Sunday, the man actually was a pastor and he brought that birdcage to church. And he brought it up to the front. And he sat that cage up front. And he said, let me tell you a story about a little boy who had some birds. And how those birds were bought for $20 and set free. See, when God sent his son, Jesus, who is Emmanuel, God with us, into this world, he fulfilled what Isaiah had promised so many years ago. That Jesus came to give his life as a ransom. To set us free by his sacrifice on the cross and he told the choice he told the church he said man that boy said these birds aren't songsters they don't have a beautiful song to, to tweet and to sing he said but man when i released those birds into the blue sky when they were freed when they were redeemed they sang a new song a song of redemption and it was a beautiful song and that song of redemption is a song that is being sung here today. That song of redemption is a song that, that the shepherds sang many years ago. That song of redemption is a song uh, that was the assurance that Mary received when, when she gave birth to the son. We're going to be redeemed. That song was the song that the, 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 the wise men followed. As they followed that star, they were looking for redemption, and they found redemption through Jesus. The question is, is that going to be the song that you and I sing of redemption? Of allowing God to make a new story out of our life. To fix what's gone wrong. To give us hope. Can I ask you to just bow your eyes and...
Bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment. So we think about this idea of wanting hope, of wanting a new story, of wanting redemption, of, of, of wanting things to be made right in our hearts and our lives. And I just wonder, how many of us in here today would raise our hand and say, man, I'd, I'd love a redemption story in my life. I, I've got this area of my life, and I would love for God to write a new story in it, to bring redemption. I just wonder, how many of you would slip your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me that I'd experience that redemption, that I experience a, a story of redemption? I see those hands. My hand is up, man. I want God to bring redemption to my life, to circumstances, to situations, to relationships. And I just wonder, how many of you here today have never yet placed their faith in Jesus Christ? Have never called to him and said, Jesus, today I'm repenting of my sin, repenting of my wrong choices, of pursuing myself instead of pursuing you. And today I place my faith in you, Jesus, as my Savior. That today, Jesus, you begin making me a new creation. That you change the course of my life. That you give me purpose. That you fill those longings. That I look to you as the answer. Not my bank account, not my status, not my job, but Jesus, I look to you as being the thing that's going to fix what's gone wrong in my heart and in my life. Listen, if that's you today, I encourage you, just pray this simple prayer and say, Jesus, I come to you today. Repent of my sins. God, I'm sorry for these wrong ways I've lived. But God, today, I'm placing my faith in you. Today, Jesus, I'm trusting you as my Savior. That God, you'll give me a new story, that you will redeem the deepest and darkest parts of my life. That, God, you'll give me a new purpose. You'll, 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 you'll give me a, a satisfaction, a peace I've never known. And as I look at all the areas, I'm looking for that peace. I'm looking for it under the tree. I'm looking for it in relationships. God, I come to you knowing that you are the one who's going to solve that in my heart today. Listen, if that's your prayer, Today, your song is different. Your song is a song of redemption. Of what God has done in your heart and what he's continuing to do in your life. God, I pray for each of us in here today as we, we celebrate this Christmas season that, God, we'd keep our hope and our faith in the right place. That, God, you would give us redemption stories right here. Lives that are changed because of who you are. Because of what you've done and sending your your son Jesus into the world as a baby to become the ransom for us to bring redemption. Jesus, we love you and praise you and thank you for who you are. I ask this in your name.